Previously on Eleven Fates. This is a dueling contract. That's not how a chair is sat on. That's also not how you sign a contract. Well, that would suggest that I'm interested in signing the contract. You're friends with the striped death. Why don't you just go take care of it? Oh, gee? He has presents! And I hold up my pearl bracelet. I've gotten tangled up with handsome, brooding men full of secrets, and it's not ended well for me in the past. <laughs> my daughter's sick. She's been poisoned. I, I know you say there's not an anti-venom, but we we've heard of one. The bloodberries? No one in their right mind would want to go to Griffin's Roost. Well, then I would guess that we are not in our right minds. We're not sure why he did it. He's been infatuated with Mac for weeks. I was going to turn and just hand the tuning fork to Hunted Jewel and just be like, okay, your turn. Should we try and outrun this thing? Or should we kill it? Oh, I think it wants us to kill it. Okay. <laughs> I can't give you the berries. Why? Because I'm going to need to take them. Uh, Rono looks down and pulls her bracelet out from under her bracer to look at it. Cass holds up his wrist. Pull it out. All of them have seven white fluorescent pearls on them. Fires and fates, I'm gonna kill that motherfucker. <laughs> ah, now that, that's a game. But if I'm going to bargain, I'll take their lies and their secrets down with me. A chosen champion of the gods. Better remember the name Hunted Jewel, because the next time you see me, I'm going to be buying out the whole bar. Welcome to the Tale of Eleven Fates. Last we left our uh, group of ragtag adventurers thrown together, but also trying to do some good in this crazy world. They were in the Troll Hills, just west of Aria, a small town at the crossroads. They were helping the Lloyd family as the eldest granddaughter had fallen ill. Well, they went after their lead and they found him, a young Dusty. 14, maybe 15 years old, covered in the gore of about a dozen trolls who impaled themselves on his sword that was recently released from his grasp. We find our adventurers on the hill, trying to figure out what to do next. They're all a little dumbfounded by the uh, sight they see around their wrists. Just a day ago, they were given a pearl bracelet and that same day, one of the bright white pearls turned black. And just now, when they bothered to look, seven white pearls again. It's a strange sight, but even stranger is a boy just took down 13 trolls that a town's militia wasn't willing to even engage with. There's a poison in the town affecting two young youths now. Dusty before, they, before them as well as the young Mackenzie Lloyd. I believe, Rowena, you just got the sword out of uh, Dusty's hands. And I'm going to take it and kind of toss it behind me onto the ground, out of his reach, offering the hand or the arm for almost like a hug, if he wants it, but 
not trying to startle him or get too close because he's very on edge. He just slumps backwards and sits on his butt and kind of holds his hands on his face and drops his elbows on his knees and is just cradling his head. He's just, I don't, I don't want to go back. I, I, this wasn't the plan. I don't know how it got like this. Marilyn, you can't just stay here. It's not safe. And your parents are very worried about you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. What would you do? She pauses for a moment at that and then kind of puts her thoughts together and says, look, a lot of times we make mistakes, right? Things get out of hand. Things don't go the way they were supposed to. But we can't just run and hide from mistakes. We've got to try to set things right now. You don't want anything to happen to Kenzie, do you? You care for her? Yeah, she's kind of great. She is? And you know what would make you kind of great? Is to try to make up for what you've done. Help us get her better. Help us get you better. Can you, can, can you actually get me better? I just... I didn't... I don't know where to find these. It's alright. We know. We'll help you go find more. But Mac doesn't have a lot of time. So right now, we need to go back, give what you've got to her, then we'll find some for you. Right? That's a good point. She's like down, kind of in the squat in front of him, getting, you know, getting on his level. He, he just kind of looks up to the uh, two of you, HJ and Cass. Do you even think they'll let me back into town? <laughs> Didn't they send you after me? Cass rolls his eyes and just like, is very obviously not interested in, like, the kindness that Rowena is offering right now. He's just like, dude, we don't have time. You know, I think his face just says, we don't have time for this. Get the berries, get them to the girl, and let's go. If we have, if we want to save both of these kids. H.A. has more like a softened look, and as as Cass is uh, given, given the scolding, H.J. Uh, will kind of go down and put his arm kind of underneath Dusty's like arm and kind of like kind of like hoist him up a little bit look we all fuck up sometimes I fuck up like every single day just just as these guys but the one thing that we can do is that we have the power to make things right especially now so get up we're gonna get those blood berries bring them back and we're gonna fix both of you not just mac you too okay yeah yeah this we can do this probably all right but you know what the first thing you got to do is yeah clean your sword oh oh and run will walk over pick up the sword and and like hilt hand it to him it's bad for the metal if you let it corrode you got to clean it off after every fight promise me that all right um, yeah, sure. I, I can do that. And he, uh, taps it on his, uh, boot and the entire sword just vibrates a little bit and is then clean. The handy trick. You'll have to teach me that one. Uh, it's the sword. It isn't really me. It was, no one's been able to afford it. So I kind of took it from the shop just in case. Better to be safe than sorry. All right, come on, let's go. 
after you. And he, he lets you take him back to town. Um, it probably took you about two hours uh, heading out here, you know, actually following tracks and being somewhat cautious to prevent an ambush. Um, but if you book it, you can get over these hills probably in about 45 minutes just to optimize yeah, the time. Yeah, 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 I think we're moving fast, yeah. So it takes you just under an hour to get back to town. And as you come in, you can see the silhouette of the four of you kind of on the ridge. It's about two or three now in the afternoon. Sun's a little bit behind you. It's a pretty cloudy off to the west, but the the clouds haven't quite swallowed the sun yet. Yeah, as you crest the hill, there's definitely a bit more of a commotion. Um, a couple of people go in, knock on doors. You, you can see in the distance, the Lloyds are brought about. You can see the couple of militia b- bringing over Dusty's parents as well. So when you actually get to the edge of town, there's already kind of a semicircle formed for you and about 40, 45 people here. Where's Mac? Dusty's got something for her. They clear a little bit and towards the center of the arc is a Butch. Lara and Mac. A couple of militia men are still with them, but they, the three of them, the Lloyds, step on up into the semicircle. And I kind of just like push Dusty in the small of his back. Look, just, you got this. And he'll take some deep breaths and then he ends up holding his breath as he starts to walk forward. Most of the troll blood has either fallen off or encrusted on what he has, but he reaches into kind of his breast pocket and does pull out just a small bag, little pouch, something that we would put our dice in, but they would put, you know, a a potent herb in. Mac grabs for it quite quickly. And Lara at the same time just steps forward and just slaps him across the face with all her might. Rowena will immediately like step between them and just kind of put her hand up. And Butch is just going to kind of get like a hand kind of around both of their waists and kind of pull them back. Aye. Now what? And just a whole bunch of stirring comes up. Just various people around the city. You've got militiamen saying, let's hang him up and put him in the stocks. And they're like, it's just a bull and just all these sorts of rabble and idea being thrown about as you can see Laura and Mac opening up the little pouch and they pull out a bloodberry, something that many of you have heard about or read about, but haven't actually quite seen. It's uh, kind of like three orbs mashed together vertically all on top of each other, almost like uh, if the peas in a sweet pea pod were to fuse without an actual pod around them and they've got kind of like a Strawberry stem at the top. It's almost like a snowman of berries with a little strawberry hat. Laura gets Mac to to eat it, and as soon as she she does pop it into her mouth, you can see the veins on her start to regress. I think Rowena, as like the stirring is happening, as soon as she sees that Mac is starting to recover like that instantaneously. Mm-hmm is going to just fully draw her sword and like bash it against her shield like just the full on like like the noise get the attention it certainly quiets people down and a, a couple of the more ruckusy people are silenced when uh, butch raises his hand in the air all right mr sloyd 
is it on her way to recovery? And we've got further business to deal with, but none of it needs to involve any of you. So, rejoice in the safety of your community, and go home. Safety? A crime was committed here. You don't just have someone poison someone and they walk away scot-free. What are we going to do about this? What's to stop him from doing it again? I don't think he'll be doing anything like this again. He's going to suffer quite enough for his actions. Oh yeah, what's that supposed to mean? Clearly he's just a dumb kid. You think he's going to get any smarter from this? Rowena is going to turn to, to Dusty and just be like, Darlin, would you mind pulling your shirt collar down for the people? He's crying a bit, but happily obliges to just get a fistful of shirt and pull it off to the side. And what you saw is already maybe about half an inch bigger of just now just a, a palm size spread out of these irradiant purple spider veins that are now uh, across his shoulder and kind of the front of his chest and there's definitely a gasp from uh, various parts of the crowd you can see his mom faint off to the side and gets caught by uh, his dad a couple people in the back are like serves him right I hope you remember that you said that the next time you make him an honest mistake and people want you to suffer on account of it Butch also steps up and says she's right you all said so yourself. You wouldn't wish the soul slink on anyone. Not even your worst enemies. Well, this isn't your enemy. Dusty is a member of our community. Yes, he did something wrong, but he can't do right by it if he doesn't get the chance to. If Dusty dies, so does any lesson go with him. Look, you were willing to help out my granddaughter. It sounds like you're willing to help out him. Children shouldn't be punished for mistakes. Learn from them, yes. Punished, no. Couldn't agree more. Laura chimes in. Fine, take him with you. He tried to take a shortcut with getting Mac to fall in love with him. Try to be a hero. Have some sort of complex. Well, there's no shortcuts in life. Make him go pick his own berries. And then Mac kind of just shoots up. She's like, no. Make him stay here. Make him wait in town. Let everyone just look at him with that lack of hope. I'll recover from my sleep and maybe even trust boys again, but I will never lose this feeling of helplessness. Get some more chatter out of the uh, crowd and eventually Dusty's parents speak up and they're like, look, please do what you can to save our boy. We agree there's got to be some sort of justice for his actions, but I I don't want our baby to die. We're going to do what we can. Thank you. What matters now is that we have to cure this thing, and then we can figure out punishments or whatever afterwards, after the threat of death is gone. Come on. I, how long does it take to get to... Uh, What's the place that grows the bloodberries? Uh, Griffin's Roost. We can get there in a day if we ride all the way through. Not going to be a fun ride. You could probably get there in 18, 20 hours. Look, I, I'm turning to Mac when I say this. Look, I, I want to see him suffer as much as the next person, but we can't leave him. 72 hours, I, we got to get it as fast as possible. 
you guys going to take me with you? If your parents will let us. Yeah, and they kind of rug. Do what you need to. Mom kind of comes up, straightens them up a little bit. She uh, actually goes through her, her little goods and pulls out not quite a feather duster. It's it's more of like a feather duster, but only with one feather on it. And kind of just boops him on the nose and he gets all nice and cleaned up. Just the from his face down, all of the, the gore and, and gook kind of go away. Shia slides it back in, pinches his cheeks a little bit. Dude, she can't make this right. Or no supper for you, young man. She's like trying to hold back tears and like goes back. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I caused a lot of this stuff. I should help where I can, I guess. I want to go to Dusty's father and kind of pull him aside a little bit. Sure. Um, Tell me about the sword that your boy has. Ah, didn't get a chance to do the inventory. It's been with my family about eight or nine years. Venture retired with it has some small magical properties. My understanding is it helps in combat, maintains itself. Pretty handy for a seasoned adventure. Tell you what, you get my boy back here alive, it's yours. Not asking for any rewards, I just want to know what we're dealing with here. It's a lot more magic than I've seen around in a while. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> trade in oddities, and sometimes that's magical. Um, of course. Yeah. Honestly, don't see many either. It's usually just one or two things we sit on for a long enough time. We sell one, we're usually good for three or four years. Understandable. Well, time's a wasting. Got to be going. Is there anyone here who will loan us another horse? In the name of the goddess of light. Everyone definitely like looks around at each other. Cass removes his his cloak, his green and, and purple cloak, and wraps it around Dusty and throws the hood up, ties it, you know, around the neck. Even though you just saw it on me and it was like the perfect length and everything, the second he it's on him, it's the perfect length for him. But the tapestry Ooh. and details are still perfectly in, in scale and everything. And I uh <clears throat> I wrap it around him and very quietly I put my hand on his head and I just go, The boy will ride with me. And then I'll turn and look at Dusty, and I'll say, and he'll do everything I say. Y y yes, sir. And I just walk him out of the, the square towards the horses. Yeah, a path will clear for you. People start talking and whispering amongst themselves. Uh, the, the Lloyds will follow with you for a short while, and the, the two women will actually just break off at some point. But Butch will walk you over to the horses. I, I appreciate your efforts. I, I really do. And I, I do mean it, Dusty. You are a member of our community. You haven't been here long, but we'd like to keep you around. You uh, actually have hell of a tab to work off, so you better get back here quick. And he, he gets a, a little bit of a chuckle as he like pokes a finger into his ribs as well. Uh, if you need anything, though, let me know. Thanks, Master Lloyd. Take care of your family. Will do. I uh, I knew you three would get up to some pretty interesting things. Godspeed. And we'll help the boy up onto the horse before uh, y'all can set out west to make your way towards Griffin's Roost.
You can follow the main road up to the outside of Bestellen, and then there's a side road you can actually take northbound, kind of around the city. This might have been the uh, old roads that uh, that were once around when uh, traffic in and out of Griffin's Roost wasn't unheard of. Anything you'd like to do before heading out of town? I think we're pretty hurried on this one, so we're yeah. just... We grabbed just, supplies before we left daybreak. Yeah. I think we're I think we're just booking it. Yeah, it's about two or three in the afternoon right now. You've all been up since about six. It's uh you got another eighteen, maybe seventeen hours ahead of you at this pace. Your horses did get a bit of a rest, which is nice for them. But off we ride quite quickly. The roads seem favorable today. They move along at that fast clip that the roads tend to do. One of those blessings of the gods that travel goes a bit faster in a stranger conundrum more than just a smooth road could provide. It's about 17 hours riding. Can I get a con save from all of you to see if you get a point of exhaustion as you uh, force yourselves awake? Keep on riding. Ride out that uh, Lloyd coffee he probably insisted you take on the way out. On save? Con saving throw. 14 for HJ. Great. Nine. Dirty 20 for Rowena. See, you all ride pretty well, but this kid on the back of your horse. Actually, is he on the back or is he on the front side of you? He's probably on the front side of me. He uh, is not comfortable in a saddle, and it is very obvious very quickly into this trip. And so you find yourself constantly having to make sure he doesn't fall out of the seat. He gets repositioned. He starts bouncing around. He's not doing it. So you, like, you edge him along, and it is just exhausting and wears a bit thin on your impatience. You're going to take a level of exhaustion. As we make our way and we're like into the teens of hours, um, if I start to notice that Dusty and Cass are not looking great, I will sort of drop back next to them and check in. Just be like, do we think we need to do a stopover? Cass probably looks, what what time would you say it is now? Let's call this about eight o'clock at night you actually have a nice full moon uh behind you the sunset maybe an hour ago Cass probably looks up towards the moon and turns and looks at at rowan and and actually he, he'll probably just investigate dusty's face you know kind of like from around the shoulder like a you know are you still good are you and then probably look over rowan and just shake his head and, and keep writing he uh when you do check in on dusty you can start seeing some of the the webbing start to get out from under his collar so you can start seeing that purple glow of webbing just uh, like kind of the collar of his shirt just poking out just a little bit as we get closer to best Ellen, i however you want to handle this but i am going to be much more actively on alert and essentially doing perception checks to see if anybody's coming sure thing. from that direction go ahead and give me a perception check uh, that is a 17. Yeah, as you, you as you come to Bestellen, you, you can recall from your travels in and out of the, the area, there were watchtowers kind of like towards the outskirts. And, and it was really just a matter of 
seen if there were travelers taking this weird side road just because then that means they want to try and get probably to the north side of the city so it's just one of those things the guards keep track of but they're not stopping anyone it's like hey if you want to travel that way go for it you've heard some of the local rumors of here no one really wants to be out on that road anyway so they're not going to put guards there the few times they have people tend to cut shifts so they're like hey i'm gonna just assign you to somewhere you'll actually go so so as you do get towards kind of that fork where you can take this more direct route towards griffin's roost you clock the tower clock a guard in it you clock a guard at the bottom one uh kind of waves their hand like waves you along down the road and then sees you turn and his hand starts going the other way and be like be, be damned <laughs> with you <laughs> just have fun yeah nope keep going keep it going nothing to do with you and you, you kind of wipe your brow and take a peek up and with a 17 the other thing you notice is actually it's weird to say but up in the sky, you can see the silhouette of the bottom of a ship. It's got to be two, three miles in the air. Like, it, it's small, but it it has that kind of a teardropish shape. But a little squatty teardrop that kind of ends into a point. You swear the tip of it's red. Just like where it goes up into the bow. I don't like that. It's just right above you and it's it's pointed about north by northwest does it appear to be in motion or just hovering it, as as you look at it for a little bit it's far away but it does seem to be moving it's definitely not stationary it, it almost looks like it's running away from the clouds cool I'm just going to make note of that and deal with that later but now that I'm aware glance up occasionally kind of try to keep track of it both of you can kind of see Rowena in, in the front as, as you take this turn. Her stride slows for a little bit as she's almost staring straight up for a little longer than you would expect someone who's on alert and watch. I mean, she's up in the front. Of course, she's taking watch and you both kind of look up and yeah, you can see a silhouette of the bottom side of a ship. Have I ever like heard of airships before? not specifically airships the idea of an airship is is definitely like a rumor and kind of a fantasy mm -hmm. uh, go ahead and give me a knowledge roll so just an intelligence roll that's a nat one very fitting <laughs> dope dope fuck this die yeah you're like no that's probably an optical illusion you've definitely heard of uh you know when when ships are out on like a real clear glass sea it almost looks like they're flying like you can't really tell that the water's there. That's like your brain's like small process. And you're like, oh yeah, if there's a ship up there, it's it's an optical illusion. It just looks like there's a ship up there. I there's look no up, way there's a ship up like, there. Shake my head and just mutter under my breath. I guess I got secondhand high off that bloodberry. Fuck. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> getting that uh, nat one out uh, early. So yeah, good call, good call. Cass, you see the perfect outline of a ship. It's moving quite... Oh, I, I thought I missed it. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah, you clock Rowena staring up a little bit too long. And, you know, once you actually take a look up, there are many things in the sky. To your left is some, you know, quickly moving cloud cover coming in. To your right is the moon a little bit above the horizon. And then the other thing in the sky, stars haven't quite come out yet. It's kind of just 
a ship in the air and you swear it has a little bit of a red tip towards the front. Is there tree coverage on either side of the road? Not yet. You, you can definitely see some tree coverage coming up. It would be on your right on kind of this new path that you're that you're on. But yeah, kind of like the start of the woody area on the outskirts of town. I think that Cass starts just speeding up a little bit, you know, and just trying to keep moving forward while actively clocking the ship every few minutes as he's rocking down the road with this horse. And that's probably something that pulls you out of your, your gaze up, Rowena, as you're trying to process this is all of a sudden you have the uh, a little tired looking uh, cast kind of start galloping past you a little bit as you all pick up the pace to, to maintain just a little bit faster. The horses seem to be able to take it, but they're, they're also getting a bit worn down. Um, as I realized, there are technically three other travelers with you, so I should roll for them. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> they are fine. They're horses. They have great constitution. It's like what they're there for. I almost <laughs> asked if I should roll for my horse, and I then didn't think of it again. Oops. You're fine. But yeah, you, you keep making your way, and you do get to that canopy uh, about five, ten minutes into your ride after spotting it. And from there, you do kind of lose track of it, as also the clouds seem to have caught up with the ship a bit. But as you make your way through this pretty straight and narrow road, it doesn't seem very traveled. It's got some overgrowth to it. You eventually make your way at about that 17 and a half hour mark of full travel now, which is going to be putting you at, oh God, what would that be? So you would actually be hitting, if you do travel all the way through the night, one of you taking a point of exhaustion. You'd be getting there at about 7 a.m. So this is like just after the sun has risen. Oh, perfect. Well, it is now seven in the morning. Yeah, it's seven in the morning. You rode uh, almost an entire day. And that does track for you left daybreak at about 6.37 in the morning, about 24 hours of travel. And you come up to these real jagged rocks that kind of mark the opening into Griffin's Roost. And where you come out of the tree canopy and there's high grasses where clearly this is not a well-traveled road, there is still that semblance of a sliver of a dirt path that leads into these big jagged rocks that mark this valley. And the moment you cross that threshold, things get gray. The cloud cover is denser in this area. You can see fog just kind of appearing and drifting out of the ground and dissipating when it gets up. It is eerie, to say the least. It's quiet. There's not much sound. Some of your steps make an echo and others don't. It's uh, definitely something that kind of slows your pace down. And there's a moment where you also get kind of the fog and cloud cover here all kind of swirls at about the right time. And you can see just this remain of a large spire. It's still 60 feet in the air with a jagged gash out of it. And the amount of rubble that's around it, you can only assume that this used to be hundreds of feet tall. You can even see the base of potential roosts where the griffins might have stirred and ruled from at one point. 
it's off in the distance, maybe a couple of hundred feet as the fog begins to kind of swirl around again and obscuring your vision. It is a weird fucking place here at the Griffin's Roost. It reeks of death even hundreds of years later. I mean, the Griffins fell 800, 900 years ago based on your basic understanding of history. It's not chilly, but it is certainly eerie. Almost as if the ground itself is weeping these fog clouds out as it stirs around. Dusty definitely gets the big chill all the way up and down his spine. So, uh, this is Griffin's Roost, huh? <laughs> Where do we go now? Dusty, did, did the person that you got the bloodberry from talk about Griffin's Roost at all? Maybe they said an area? Anything? He mentioned the he mentioned rubble. The berries grow from the rubble of an age gone by. Maybe we got to get a bit closer to that tower that we saw. That's a good a starting point as any. What do you think, guys? I think we shouldn't be here any longer than we have to be. So let's go. Okay. I had an idea, but I, I, I'm choosing not to go with it for now. That's what Cass is. Okay. And he trot on in. There's not really a semblance of a road anymore. There's bricks here and there. There's not really plant life. There's the remnants of plant life. It, it, it's hard to say. You, you kind of see your horse stomp on what looks like a weed, and it kind of just fades off into ash, coats the ground somewhere else in a ranger pile. Seems like the things that used to be living here either became petrified or stopped in time almost as you get through these bit of an area you can start hearing these far off whistling noises not not loud or fast but definitely a real faint real soft at first and just seeing through the shadows, you can, or through the fog, you can see one kind of bounding towards you of this small figure of a, of a child just kind of bounding. And as you see it land, the whistling stops and then it jumps through the air and sails about 30 feet closer to you on the up arc and then on the down arc. It lands about. 40 feet in front of all of you. It's not a child. It is literally just a shadow. It's just two-dimensional, but clearly is moving its head back and forth with a childlike curiosity. But you can see the silhouette of it is more muscular than that. Almost like a small man. And then it's going to get all crouched in a pretty hostile position. And you're all going to roll initiative. Didn't see this one coming at all. Okay. It's a creepy, weird fog. I told fog you we kid. shouldn't be There's here. only one of them. You're fine. Okay. Mm -hmm. I finally rolled double digits, I think, for the first time in over two weeks. That is patently untrue. What do you mean? You rolled double digits on both your kill shots. I know because I've been tracking our dice rolls when I edit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. 
Look, I just forget about my good rolls, and I only remember my bad I am ones. aware. Weren't you the first person to crit in this campaign, too? Yes, I believe you were. Wow. Oh, the mighty do fall. Technically, he's been the per first person to crit in both directions. Oh, Boom. yeah. See? I believe. Yeah. Okay, there it is. Situation there. Uh, oh, a minus one to their initiative. That's fun. Ah, get wrecked. That's probably Dusty. He's very tired. Oh, yeah. I, for I keep forgetting <laughs> about this kid. He deserves an initiative, and he is tired, so he's going real low. Anyone get above a 15? Me. I w did. W what'd you get there, Jules? I have a 19. Ooh, very nice. You'll get to go first. Isn't that exciting? That's so exciting. <laughs> that brings us up to uh, anyone between 10 and 15. I got an 11. An 11 for Rowena. And what'd you get there, Cass? Got a four. Ooh, you get to go after the kid. <laughs> Good. He's, Assess he's his exhausted. weaknesses and exploit them. No, the yeah, shadow both kid. Both of them are exhausted. Yeah. The shadow kid, not, not no, the no. kid kid. Not no, the, the, the kid kid goes on a six. No, we, we kick this off with the one, the only, hunted jewel or tabaxi monk as this uh, shade is now sailing through the air at your uh, compatriots. You're all on horseback at the moment. So you have the high ground, which is, you know, a huge plus. Till he jumps. Yeah, yeah. Hunted Jewel looks up and sees where this thing is jumping and then looks down at his horse. Is like, yeah, the saddle's actually pretty flat and is going to like get up on it almost like he's surfing the horse and he's going to jump and try and meet this shadow in midair, claws out, just trying to swipe through it. That Wolverine leap from every preview you've seen of every yeah, X-Men movie. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. let's go. Yeah, you, you get your horse to, you know, help get you that way. You, you can't jump the full 20 feet there, but you, you do time it pretty well. Uh, give me an athletics roll. Let's uh, let's see how well you get this timing down. Uh, would love to. That is a 22. Dude, that is rad. Go. Your attack, I'm going to give it an advantage. Oh, awesome. That is a non-spicy 20. Non-spacey 20 will hit. It's going to be six six points of slashing damage. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, I'm going to do it again. Yeah, but bonus action time. Yeah. And should I keep advantage or just roll regular? Keep the advantage. So your first attack, you got your claws and you're basically able to meet this thing. And you're a little weary. It's basically a two-dimensional figure, which you've never <laughs> yeah. fought before. But you are able to still make contact with a what is a, kind of a solid force. And you're able to bring both of you down to the ground without, you know, huge detriment to both of you other than slashing through it. But yeah, you uh, get that second attack as you uh, get onto the ground. And then second swipe is a 13 to hit. A 13 will hit. That's uh, going to be uh, five points of slashing damage. Great. And that is enough to actually just rend through it entirely as your claws sink in and rip on through and it kind of just bursts apart. And you swear you hear a sigh of relief from the shade. I fucking hate that. You're out of combat. H.J. looks up and just says, it's not just a shadow. I, I, I felt it, and it was almost like it was saying thanks. I really didn't like it. There's a reason why we tell children that if they misbehave, we'll send them to Griffin's Roost. Wait, you send your kids here? No, we absolutely don't. We just try to okay. scare them. It's good. I, I, it's scary. I get, I get it. <sighs> Cass, you, you got him, or you want me to take him? 
Cass is like very clearly stood in front of the kid. <laughs> he's he he watched the whole thing with the shade go down, and he's like sitting there, gra like grasping his sword with a hand just on the kid, just in case. Rowena has like wheeled her horse around and has her shield up on her arm and is like providing cover for you guys in the direction of where the fight was. So, and so I I think that because he's already off the horse, I think that's just like pulls the kid in close and really like doesn't pay too much attention to like what the kid is doing more so that he just doesn't want to let the cloak out of his sight <laughs> <laughs> true true and so he he like without saying anything just waves off Rowena and and grabs the the reins of the horse and starts walking with the kid kind of leading leading a step ahead and starts Three? walking toward further yeah, up the roof towards let's the get to the rubble let's l let's get the berry and let's get the fuck out of here at this point, Rowena will dismount. She has still been on her horse, and she will follow, but she wants to be on the same level as Dusty. And yeah, by the by the reins, you can lead your horses. Weapons at the ready, making your way deeper into the Griffin's roofs. The fog appears and dissipates erratically. It's a bit disorienting, but you, you, you clocked that vision and are able to kind of make your way towards a looming shadow of the spire. Can I get a perception roll from all of you? I'm weary every time you say shadow now. And looming in the same sentence. Come on. I told you it was like 60 feet of rubble. It's fine. It's a spire. What else is it going to do? The sun's just rising. You know, shadows and lights. 13. 13. I got an 8. An 8. I got a desirable 20. Ooh. Hello, 20. You all notice two distinct whistles now. A bit further ahead of you, still in your direction. What HJ and Rowena also notice is you, you kind of do that double take of sometimes there's an echo, sometimes there's not here, and you get kind of that feeling of like it bouncing behind you, and you do see kind of as the fog clouds kind of pass each other behind you for a brief moment, probably about a 15 or 16 foot tall figure, maybe about a hundred yards back. Also just a shadowy outline as you now have two spirits whistling from the uh, north side of you as you make your way deeper into Griffin's Roost towards that spire. And on the south side, about a hundred yards back, you swear the two of you briefly see maybe upwards of 20 feet tall, a long, slender humanoid figure before the fog gets dense enough behind you to obscure the view. Rowena wants to get right up next to Cass and Dusty. She's going to tap Cass's arm and just be like, they're on all sides. And she's going to essentially flip around and walk backwards, keeping like a, maybe like her shield elbow or something in contact with Cass, almost doing soldier back to back so mm -hmm. that she can watch the behind while they move forward. Sure thing. As long as he will allow her to do that. Yeah. At this point, Cass is just poised and ready with the with his arrow. I think he trusts himself more with his bow and arrow than he does with his sword. So as two shades come from the north side, we're going to pick up where we left off with the initiative, and that is going to be Rowena. 
you now have two shades at the uh, northern edge of kind of your uh, group's perimeter. There's three of you, so I assume you're in kind of like a triangle formation if you're uh, on the back side, the other two of you in the front, and probably Dusty in the middle. Sounds good for uh, position-wise? Sure. Fine with me. These shades are about 20 feet to your northern edge. Since my party is facing north and I am facing south back-to-back with them, I would Mm -hmm. like to hold my action to take a swing with my sword at the first creature that gets within five feet of my party and becomes hostile. Great. You can position yourself a little bit tighter. It's kind of one of those things of like Dusty's almost occupying the same space as you. But yeah, you can definitely get there to where if either of these shades get into melee combat, you'll be able to take a step forward and do a slash out. And that is your turn or would you like to do anything else? I believe that is going to be my turn because I'm going to hold that action. I just want to point of order that this is my held action to activate on those conditions, but I do also have a reaction that may activate their two separate cool, cool. things. Yeah, because one is your entire action and the other one, you still get a reaction. Yeah. Cool, cool. And with that, these two spirits jump on up in a lower arch of just that whistle. And uh, in unison, one will go for both jewels and one will go for Cass. Which one would you like to attack? I would like to attack the one that is going after Cass because he's got hands on Dusty. Great. Something like that. Yeah. Because he is monitoring <laughs> the child at the moment. It's shake and take it. You did fine with the last one. Yeah. You've True. been hit before. Yeah. That was cocked. Oh, well, um... Brew will be pleased to know that that was a 20 on the die for hey, a 25 to hit. Hey, misses. Yeah, that's what <laughs> no, I no, assumed. Go, yeah, yeah. Drive it home. Get that double damage. Let's go. Um, and here, we like to roll our damage because rolling dice is fun. That is going to be 15 slashing damage. Yeah, as, as this shade, a, a, a bit different of a shape, actually. This one is a bit stockier, a, a little bit whiter on the silhouette of the limbs. As it comes jumping forward, you just get this step slash perfectly time, like you've rehearsed it maybe a thousand times before. And there's just that extra oomph. You've been up for 20 hours and this drives home and just you swear as it goes through this shade just breaks off, evaporates, and you can just hear this. Oh, yeah. Cass, it's actually right in front of you. You would you would hear that kind of sigh of relief that comes out of it as well. Mm hmm. Oh, I hate this. I hate this a lot. That will also get attacked. Yeah, you are still going to attack. I had to remember what I was doing in my brain because sometimes there's a lot going on. I'm like, what's the kid going to do? Well, it doesn't help when I ruin your turn order by holding an action. It's all right. And you still have a reaction, apparently. So an attack is being made on Hunted Jewel. I'm not sure what your triggering thing is. I'm going to just break it down by tiny steps. I am not going to impose my reaction for this turn. Cool, cool. Uh, Does a seven hit you, Jewel? It does not. Coincidentally. Sweet. Yeah, this uh, this shade d- didn't get the jump fully towards you, and so it comes slashing down almost at your knees, and you're able to kind of just take that quick hop step back so you're ready to kind of just come down on it. But it is going to bring up Dusty, who is going to have kind of a panicked stab from out 
behind uh, Cass to try and do his own part. And with a 10, is actually going to make contact with this shade. It's a perfect phalanx. Let's go, Dusty. <laughs> he does max damage to this thing. I want to give it to him, but he's shy. Uh. Yeah, he he just, Dusty, rips into this guy, striking real true. Actually, this is a magic weapon. Strikes into him, and just the smallest of hesitation before the spirit just wisps off and again another just of relief as the second spirit has now vanished I I think that's all of them no there's one more behind as you turn behind you can clearly see now the steps and swagger of like this large gate coming towards you with no sound marching on forward and that'll bring up uh Cass actually you uh have an action if you like in this initiative order I will turn and well okay here's what I'd like to do you know I don't really have the enemy knowledge that the rest of you have so I'm gonna just take a chance here <laughs> and I would like to roll like a nature check to see if maybe these are like some sort of spirit of something that I've ran into before in the past please do yeah, I okay. think I think nature and tying into spirits, you know, if they've been here long enough, they're almost part of the natural world. Um, I rolled a 17. A 17. A after seeing these things and how they act, you recall some readings, a lecture, some sort of conversation about these. And they are known as shades of the small. It was a strange thing that happened when... All the small folk were taken from this world very quickly after in random places of either mass disappearances and or mass grief that was held or suddenly, you know, entire families disappearing, entire communities disappearing with a blink of an eye. Hours and days after it, these shades essentially started appearing. And the theory is that they're the embodiment of the grief left behind from their sudden departure or the physical manifestation of how they were snatched from this world. There's There's been some debate about it, but it all kind of revolves back to when goblins disappeared, when most of the dwarves disappeared, and when all the halflings disappeared hundreds of years ago. Okay. And with your knowledge of Griffin's Roost too, because you've also gotten that in the past, you're able to kind of connect the dots of being like, oh, this is probably one of the last places these things might actually appear they've been driven away from everywhere else but here they might be able to thrive mm. okay i think even knowing that uh survival instincts will take over and Kess will uh, fire uh an arrow at the shade lumbering towards them i guess before you do just based on your own iteration of your actions it does cross your mind these are shades of the small folk. At no point did a giant figure disappear. I mean, this isn't as big as what the giants of the ancients might have been. All right, I guess it is a big one. But a 17, 18 foot tall figure doesn't really fit the description of a shade of the small. Take it with you what you will. Maybe it's just a bunch of them in a trench coat. Say, I feel like you're trying to tell me something, but I'm not smart enough to get it yet. 
Maybe it's a bunch of them in a trench coat. <laughs> I've done crazier things. Actually, well, no, I'm going to commit to the action that I that I said initially. I will shoot the I will shoot the longbow first, and then if it comes back around to my turn, I will I will move forward with my other action. Great, great. Oh, and uh, that is uh, that is a six. That arrow goes sailing, and it it looks a little high to you, and it doesn't quite get as far as you would want it to to be like able to correct because about 30 feet before it gets to the shadow you can see very quickly it raise an arm windmill style over its head and then like a 12 foot long shovel comes out of the fog and just slaps the arrow out of the air and then just dips the tip of the shovel maybe about 20 feet away from all of you as it walks up and these gray, long, slender hands rest upon the top of the shovel and just sink it into the ground, maybe two or three inches. Or he puts his head on top of his hands. And you can see just a gangly, long, gray figure in just this weird traveling coat of all these fabrics. It's a mixture of fine silks. It's also a mixture of bloody bandages. Uh, it's got a lot of like burial robes mixed in with it and like sacred rite cloths. And it's all just this mishmash of colors and patterns and fabrics that coat this long form body. It's got white, wispy hair that kind of floats through a smooth gray complexion. And below its nose and down to its jaw is just thick rope tied in and out, going throughout its entire face, back into its lower jaw, like the entire bottom half of the head has been sewn shut. And other than the strangeness of the mouth area, this, the lower half of the head, it is unmistakably to all of you, the God of the grave. You know this is the god of the grave the final fate that appeared about 60 years ago not not too long ago it is the only one that doesn't really resemble the humanoids you're used to all of the fates took on some sort of embodiment that people would recognize here the god of light had a very feminine human form others are loosely resemble that of an orc or an elf or a half-elf, some even a gnome. But this god in particular seemed so foreign when it arrived. It was always the other gods that seemed to talk about the arrival of this one. A quiet, smooth face, a young face somehow on this body covered in all of these old, strange cloths that make up kind of a, almost like a big poncho of all these strange fabrics. And you realize these are all the things that people may or may not have been buried in at some point. Be it the silk of a finely made coffin, a burial robe, a spare cloth after a raid, anything that you could be buried in makes up this garment of the god of the grave. And 
here it looms a fate head on top of hands on top of shovel it's almost like a big circle of clean air is now around all of you no fog wisping in a little bit brighter as he just kind of tilts his head back and forth staring at the four of you gives a little wave of just a single finger and puts it back underneath his jaw hj kind of like trepidatiously gives it back just a small little wave with a quizzical look on his face you can hear just the faintest of chuckle come from this creature mark just just as like a for the player question yeah absolutely we typically up to this point understand where all of the gods appeared right the origin stories of the gods yes it's kind of one of those things that the story of the gods has you know been around and you know you know of when this person or when this fate arrived and kind of emerged and there's a little bit of a story for like each of them when they do god of the grave is probably the most lackluster and but there's nothing to say that we know where they are and there's certainly nothing keeping them wherever they arrived right correct so they definitely move around like a point of order for the festival uh that you had at the city of light the god of light isn't the one that's guaranteed to come down it's kind of a celebration in itself of figuring out which god actually comes forward and gives out these duties sometimes it's been any of them really to appoint people and from the tales you've heard God of the Grave has done it before, and he's spoken his commands. It's kind of weird to see a fate with their mouth and entire lower face tied up in rope. You've heard of, you know, it's pretty reliable that the God of the Forge is at her forge in the city that is kind of named for her. Okay. Everyone kind of knows where she is, but other ones like the city that's associated with the grave and loosely crossroads and paths and kind of journeys at least a day and a half's ride from here there's no direct path here but if it's the god of the grave there's clearly lots of unhappy spirits here that may need to be laid to rest but just be doing his godly duties okay i think that uh, upon realizing it's the god of the grave Cass puts his bow and arrow down and you know, puts the arrow back in the quiver and not to surrender, but almost as to say, like, look, I mean, you no harm. He raises his hand. We're not here to fight a god today. We seek aid for the boy. And actually, I think he pulls the hood off of Dusty. Yeah. Uh, spins his body, you know, two or three degrees, which feels like a lot for this looming of a figure towards you. And he'll pick up the shovel, kind of take one, two, third step over all of you takes about two more and it's almost like this clear air follows him where the fog is just kind of around him and now you're at the edge of kind of this aura that he has about himself and he reaches out of that aura just a little bit seems to spread something the shovel he has clanks on various bits of rubble and then he pulls the shovel back and gives a bit of a hand wave in the uh, general direction of it little bit of a head nod and he takes another side step to where you're now kind of just outside of his little clear air bubble as kind of the fog washes over you and he looks again like a big tall shade only about 40 45 feet away as turns to rowena eyes wide and sort of gestures dusty towards her and sort of gestures them both in the direction towards where he pointed meanwhile he Pulls out another quiver just in case something else is 
lurking around the corner, like understanding that the god cleared the way a little bit, but that doesn't mean that the danger is gone. He positions himself so that he is now the tail of Rowena HJ. I guess HJ's sort of off to the side, but Rowena HJ Dusty. Yeah. You three make a line and you've got only your your winger, essentially, of a HJ. Yeah. Yeah. And Rowena has never put down her sword and shield this entire time, so she just fully kind of tucks Dusty behind her so that he's got cover from her shield and she'll start moving forward in the direction that was indicated. Yeah, and you step back into that ring and it's a little less eerie. Stepping out of the fog seems to be a weird sensation for you and you can almost see it right where you left it, just filling the silhouette you left behind. And there now at the other side of the circle with just kind of a few fingers pointed out towards it as it comes back and again, just rests under the chin of this fate on top of the shovel. You can see back behind him, some rubble has been cleared out and there is just a strange plant kind of spiraling up and in on itself, almost kind of like the twisty bamboo, but just a single vine. And from it, you can see about three bloodberries hanging off of it, kind of like wilted fingers. And there they are, ready to be plucked, maybe about foot off the ground. With my sword hand, so sword like still in hand and everything, I will reach back, I will grab Dusty's sleeve, and I will double time him up. But I am very specifically keeping myself and my shield and everything between him and the god. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching the god the whole time. And as we kind of get up to the bush, I will just look and say... You've done us a service. What service do you ask? <laughs> and just waves his hand off. Just slow nod and keep myself posted so that I can provide cover while Dusty hopefully grabs one of these berries and eats a blood berry. It. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah, he goes down and to the plant and he has his little short sword now as well. And it basically just cuts off from like more towards the base of the vine. So that way all three of them come off and he eats one of them. And you can see just that little bit of webbing from on the bottom side of his neck that is now coming up towards his jaw very quickly starts to descend and link on back to where the source of the wound was and you assume disappear underneath the shirt and with that there's a strange hum in the air and even the fate begins to straighten up and look around a little bit he does a little bit of a curl of his fingers and begins to like twist his wrist while spinning the fingers almost like creating a big ball shape in his hand and the fog around you begin to swirl a bit more and suddenly all of the fog just rises up 15, about 20 feet in the air. So it's above the head of fate. And you can see about 100 yards away, just coming up out of the ground is just this bizarre silhouette of a murky figure of a three-headed griffin with 12 wings on its back. The fate just kind of sighs picks the shovel up and chucks it as hard as it can. And it just pierces straight through the center head as this thing yelps a high-pitched squeal and then just kind of cascades down and begins to sink back into the ground and then all of the fog comes settling back in. Excuse, excuse me, um, your 
your your magic does that happen often a big long nod and he'll reach out his hand and the shovel comes flying back ever so quietly and then just a little bit of a into his hand probably came out of the fog going odd three four times faster than your horse has ever gone so we're gonna get to going now right that's still the plan fate looks back at you two not hj eyebrows up if you've no further need of us, sir, then we'll be taking our leave. Slow shake of the head and just a little bit of a shrug. Your uh, kindness is appreciated. It's uh, a little hard to tell, but you can swear there's a smile behind all those ropes in the bottom of his face. He's smizing, got the yeah, eye smile go. <laughs> going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, shield is still up, but the sword has gone kind of, kind of just dropped to the side at this point. And I think, again, she'll kind of like reach back and just sort of pat Dusty's arm or something with her sword hand. Just be like, all right, youngin, let's be getting out of here. Master Tidegrove, shall we? Cass, still holding, you know, at the reins of his horse now, is like kind of pulling the horse along and puts Dusty onto the horse and then gets onto the horse. And once we're far enough away from the god of the grave, just goes... <laughs> oh and he turns and looks at Rowena and, and HJ and says say what you will about the gods if there's one that's here to make sure we're dead it's him and starts riding off not fast riding just kind of clapping away like still laughing to himself about the fact that the one like the one god who is going to be there to bury him he just met him and luckily it was not on the day of his death <laughs> <laughs> I think you head off, and I think I think Rowena has gotten probably gotten her horse, but is just kind of still sitting there, sort of watching the fate. There's that sense of like wanting to ask a question, but not knowing if it's appropriate. He definitely like turns his head 45 degrees and puts a finger like behind his earlobe and pushes his ear out a little bit. Don't think you can help me. I appreciate you offering. Maybe some other time. I'm sure our paths will uh, cross again. <laughs> Gives a nod, kind of a shrug. Looks over to you, Jules. Raises an eyebrow. Jules hears Rowena and says, I don't think you can help. And he kind of gets like a little glint in, his, glint in his eye and kind of like walks up and says, well, you may not be able to help her, but this there seems to be a lot of cures around here. And you know a lot about death, apparently. The leader of my clan is... He's, He's sick. I've been sent out to get a cure. I was I was going to take one of the, the blood berries back, but maybe someone has told you what's ailing him, and maybe you have a cure? You know where to start, maybe. He uh, plants his shovel next to him and then just sits cross-legged, beckons you forward. Jules walks forward quickly. He'll uh, reach out with both of his hands and just have his fingers and thumbs out. And is just going to very lightly touch his long, gangly, gray fingers to your temples. And you're going to feel this warmth behind your eyes. What would you like to show him about your sick elder? I want to show him the bed, the the face, the way that the elder grabbed, grabbed my hand. And you're one of the 11 that we're sending out to go find a cure. And then, like, the vision of me kind of leaving... And then also the 
the time when my mom first said that the elder was sick. He takes it all in, takes his fingers off, and you can see just these little motes of light. And with his left hand, he pokes it into the ground and then pulls it up slowly. And there from the dirt and sand is a strange, like, vestige of shapes starting to take form. There are these tall, flat rocks, and it's kind of this sweeping landscape. It's almost as if you're watching, your character wouldn't know it, but you would, almost like a hollow vid, starting to emerge, and things are rendering and disappearing. It's really just, you know, a, a cylinder of about two and a half feet where these shapes are being formed out of these dirts. And you can see just all of these big, flat plateaus. And on top of it, Eventually, you can see this big cactus that has all of these leaves kind of wrapped around it, almost like a ball cactus surrounded in like the bottom half of cabbage leaves. And then swirl of his finger, it cracks open. The juice from inside of that floats up and off and just stays in the top. And then another strange vestige appears of these barnacles on the side of a dock and then underneath the barnacles a bit of coral and when that coral gets plucked it's just this half of a cactus full of juice and this coral and it is placed in you can see it bubbling as it's boiling as the casing of the cactus turns into a cauldron and you don't know what color it is this has all been translated to you through you know just the gray shifting sand presenting it but you can tell it gets darker and then that gets poured out into a bottle and then that solidifies into small rock a little bit smaller than your palm if this were a real bottle it would probably be about three ounces that could fit in there the god of the grave will just kind of take that and pick it up and bit a little forward. And the other finger with the glowing little dot that he got from inside your head, he puts down on his right side and plants it into the ground. And with his hand, he just starts to write. He writes just three letters and then underlines it and removes his hand so you can read it. And it just says run. Like right now? And he just shakes his hand no. Oh, okay. R U N like that's is that one one word? Or and as Jules is kind of like walking away like with his hand with his head over his shoulder. Is that like one word or is that like three words? It's letters. I picks up his right hand that he wrote with and just mimes just a little person <laughs> running with his fingers just quickly and then puts it down on the ground and has it run off to its full reach and then off into some jazz hand and then brings it back in sets both of his hands in his lap where should I run to? shrugs tall flat rock sweeping landscape cactus cactus juice coral boil it bottle okay okay thanks I'll figure it out I kind of start just like walking away. Lumber back up to his feet. 
dust himself off a little bit, pick up the shovel over one shoulder, raises an eyebrow to you, Rowena. Oh, she's still she's on her horse. She might even have the reins of Jules' horse at this point, like since she was still hovering here, and she's just kind of sitting there, like staring at him, probably crying, but silently. He just kind of looks down at his feet and looks back up to you and just kind of turns on his heel and starts walking away as his shadow then begins lumbering further off north as y'all are now encompassed in the fog. This fog that keeps appearing in thickets and disappearing into wisps and you can hear off in the distance that strange whistling again. I think when the whistle comes back in, that's when Rona kind of like sh- tries to sort of shake herself out of it and just tosses the reins of his horse to Jules and kicks up uh, Farrier to catch up with Ass. HJ hops on the horse and is hot on her tail. <laughs> great, great, great. And then, yeah, you're making your way out of here quite swiftly. Can I get handle animal checks from all of you? To see how quickly you can get out of here. If you're not trained in it, that's just going to be wisdom. It's a five. Do I get any bonus because it is my horse? You I'll can say no. I just you, no. I'll, I'll give you advantage. You've spent a lot of time with this horse, and the reason why it's a handle animal more so than a ride check is your horses are also very uncomfortable as well as very tired. They don't want. No to be one here. wants to be here. Yeah, I got a natureful twenty plus two. Hey, look at this guy. All natural, baby. <laughs> I got a 13 on mine. Technically, I still have to do disadvantage because I'm exhausted, right? So really, I got a 16. Correct. Thank you for the reminder. I forgot to until I saw word condition laughing at me. <laughs> yeah, as, as you kind of ride into the fog and the thicket again, it was kind of a slope down and it was real easy to kind of navigate. You're like, okay, we're getting lower. We're getting towards that spire. And now with this fog and swirling around, it feels like there's a lot of uphill in all directions of you. So it's a bit jarring to keep your horse kind of on the right path. You realize at some point HJ can be heard a little farther off to your right, but you cannot see him as you've all kind of made your way south-ish. I would say... Cass, you can probably see the opening of clearer skies of the entrance you came in towards the southern point about 10 minutes later. Um, But you can hear Jules maybe 100 feet off to your right. So if you're facing south, that's west. I can do directions quickly. (laughs) And yeah, you're you're, you're galloping quite a bit still, Jules. You're just like, oh, I just can't see them because I'm still far behind. Like, I got to catch up. Oh, 100%. Rowena, you can't quite see the entrance, but you can spot Cass. Okay. Am I able to, I'll say, triangulate? Like I said, like if I spot Cass, do I also hear Jules? Or hear that there is another horse that is not in yes. line with us? Yeah, you, you can hear another horse. It was a horse that you swear was behind you and that you heard the entire time. And you kind of slow down as you see Cass slowing down a little bit. But the other horse now that you thought was back into your right is much more to your right and then a little bit back and is just still galloping at the full pace that you just came down from. I will, against my better judgment, shout, Jules! Can I hear? Yeah, you, you can hear. You get a little bit of that echo, echo of Jules! Jules! 
Uh, yeah. Coming from your left, so you, you, you've got it, and that yeah comes back, and and with that exchange, you can definitely hear the pickup of. Wait hard, you got to come back this way. I think. Yeah, sorry, I was just concentrating on just getting out as quick as I can. Yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll cruise over, and I yoke the ho the horse back over towards uh towards Rowena's voice. You do, and you're, you're kind of closing in on that gap, and as you do, you can kind of just see two of those spirits kind of just sail through the air and are now just kind of in the middle point. As you can see at the edge of your view, your two compatriots show up. You have these two spirits that kind of land 20 feet in front of you, another 20 feet back is your compatriots, and then another 20 feet back, you can see another two spirits kind of just sail on in. As we're going to throw ourselves back into that initiative order, because uh, last time we ended perfectly uh, with our group of casts. Uh, so we're going to go back to the top. We got Jules. I'm going to split up the spirits initiative, which will be totally fine. And there's two opposite of party or, or or are the two in between the party and me both so the party is flanked by two spirits on one side two spirits on the other and then you are on the far west side of that so going west to east would be you two spirits your two compatriots with the ward and then two more spirits all about 20 feet apart from each point then i'm just gonna cruise up i'm just gonna go towards the ones that are that are closest to me then and get on in there. Yep, I'm going to get the horse over there. I'm going to hop off the horse uh, just to make sure it doesn't get too scared. And then I'm going to uh, sprint up you know, within you know 30 feet. You're already within 30 feet. You're Sweet. Feet away then I'm just hopping years. off the horse and I'm jumping up. Yeah. Cat claws bared and uh, not afraid to use them. Do you want to do like a flip around them so you're at least on the same side as yes. your party? Great. Yes. Two 11s. That's my two attacks. Those are both going to hit. Ooh, let's go. Though that is going to be a total of nine slashing damage. Nine slashing damage is just enough to take down one of these shades. So as you kind of do one of those flip step kicks to get yourself up over the small figure, you're able to just take your claws right through what would be the head as it just dissipates down into that mist. And there's another spirit within, you know, five feet. They're right next to each other. If you'd like to take your bonus action those two attacks was my attack and bonus action that's right yep. level together one. Yep. <laughs> they were nine damage you didn't punch for nine damage on one correct great dope did it i'm tracking <laughs> along fun fact that's one less baddie for me to keep track of boom i'm just the trying to make face. things faster for you it's true but then i've got to talk through it this other one though since it is right in front of you will bring it on Go ahead and reach out and try to claw at you with an unnatural 20. Yeah, that'll hit. Yeah, yeah. that'll hit. Weird. Yeah. Weird how that works. <laughs> that's going to be for... Oh, that's real cockeyed. And did it again. Exact same position. I should just not roll actual dice is what I'm getting at. That is going to be three points of necrotic okay. damage. Great. As, yeah, this uh, spirit reaches out at you and seems to be doing a similar claw-like attack, but instead of actually piercing your skin or punching at you, the fingertips just kind of go in and then whip out as you can just 
feel this like energy leave your body a little bit. That mm. muscle very sore now, and it Hate does that. not feel good. No, heartbeat immediately up, and it is alarming what that sensation was. And that will bring up Rowena. I can see all of these spirits. You can't. And now that Jules has come closer, you were able to see him kind of flip up over. Right. I want to wheel my horse and I want to go to the next one to the other side. You got two on the east. You got one on the west with Jules. So I want to go to the east. I'll go to the nearest one on that side to me. Right. And yeah. I'm going to do the full like ride by swing. Great. I rolled a what is my modifier i should double check that it's almost certainly going to hit but i want to confirm you've, uh, you've a figured 22, out got a low ac 22 definitely weirdly hits. enough yeah yeah 22 <laughs> to hit for nine damage nine, nine damage is enough to take it out with these heavy-handed hits that momentum of the horse you're just able to slink on down and just bring the entire shade up and as it lifts off the ground the sword definitely reaps through it great since I am on my horse, which has 60 feet of movement, that was about 20. That I would is. like to take whatever of my remaining movement I need to get up to Cass and Dusty. And I want to put myself with my shield between their horse and the other shape. I want to be right next to them so I'm within five feet of them. You would have 40 feet left. You can round and yeah, you'll be able to get uh, right up next to them. Just to be perfectly clear, the idea is I want to be clear so that Cass could shoot past me, but that I am presenting a block to give them cover. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I get what you're going for. Yeah. With that, though, in order to get them, you are going to have to turn a bit sharply, and the shade is going to try to uh, jump up at your heels. You've got the high ground, so it's going to be at a disadvantage, but it will try to take an attack of opportunity on you. And is a 15 going to hit? A 15 will hit me. Yeah, as, as you ride by, you can feel just this ache of a pain in your back calf just seep out of all this energy and your heartbeat begins to race that more and there's already some sweat immediately forming on your brow from it. Does not feel good as you take four points of necrotic damage. Great. And that will be my turn. And that is going to bring up this Shane's turn, which is going to jump up into the air and get that whistling flight is like bounds and hops it's not gonna try to like get around you like it's definitely gonna try and get past you um but yeah it comes in at like a little bit of a smaller hop and then pushes itself up and is basically trying to jump over your shield to get it cast and dusty um so if you'd like to make an attack opportunity you may oh Great. And or that. trigger your reaction if this is something that happens. So just for your sake, my yes. reaction only activates if a friendly within five feet of me is hit by an attack. Great. So in this case, I would take the attack of opportunity if I am given that. Yeah. So basically, it's going to move completely past your horse to be on the other side of the horse. Got so it. you would get the opportunity to attack first and you don't know if it's going to attack or cool. who it's going to attack once right. it's on the Then I will, yeah, I will swing at it. Um, that is 15 to hit. 15 will hit. Or 10 damage. And that is enough to, again, rake this shade up. Um, How do you want to take this one out? 
So I kind of did the like low swoop swing by on the last one, wheeled around. I'm doing some frankly disconcerting acrobatics that I have not done probably in a very long time. This is we don't normally do this stuff on the horse. It is a thing we have practiced, but was not usually incorporated into mm-hmm. our shenanigans. So I think in this case, as it goes to spring, I think if it's trying to use kind of my shield almost like as a launch point, I just bop the shield up and fully just kind of do that same move of like cleave my sword directly into my shield and just catch it mm. off the top of my shield. With that nice clang, you're able to kind of shish kebab it in such a way. And again, like the ones before, you were moving quite fast on the other one, but now that this one's coming to you, you can definitely hear that of release as the uh, spirit breaks apart. Fully start crying again. Had gotten myself together. Tears are like, but like still posted up and like scanning around <laughs> trying to find the next one in case another one comes. Yeah, w- wave of emotions. You, you had that sudden pain. You've defeated two of them. You had this weird muscle memory kick in of some showmanship that may have been in your past. Uh, and that's going to bring up Dusty, who is quite concerned but is also very much like on the horse and not in control of it so it's just kind of like taking back and forth and like flinching and that's gonna bring up Cass uh there is one shade left in combat with your friend Jules who's now about 20 feet to your right oh, okay easy selection I will pull out my longbow and fire it at this stupid shade roll to hit and I will roll a 10 to hit that's gonna hit Wow, I did it. Okay. And I will do a wholesome four damage. Beautiful. And yeah, this uh, arrow comes sailing in and like definitely sinks in and through. And then you can see the arrow kind of just fall into two halves on the opposite sides of the shade. Not going to be able to recover it, but it uh, clearly went sunk home. Uh, and that's going to bring us back to the top of the order. HJ, what you got for me? You've got one injured shade. Yeah, HJ is going to run up, claws extended, and just try and swipe it. Do what he does best and Have end the it. fight. That's As a nat 20. Do. There it is. That's a crit. That hits. Yep. Roll that double damage. Only apply the modifier once. Uh, so that's going to be 10. 10 damage. Yeah, this... This one feels good. You, you definitely do kind of that right. And you know what? This is your 20. How do you want to get rid of this shade? HJ just jumps up almost like a perfect dive. And as he is head first down, going down towards the shade, slashes it, the shade, puff of smoke, sigh of relief, and instant roll recover. Going nice. out of the head first dive. Yeah. So jump straight up into the air coming back down, pouncing through it, and just landing where it used to be. Nice little tuck roll, and you're able to kind of turn around. I guess your next goal would probably be your horse that you left behind. So yeah, you're facing your horse, and you're able to kind of just step up and walk on out of that little combat encounter. Walk on over to your horse and saddle up again. Kind of just like, you know, pat the horse on the head, very thankful that it didn't decide to go run away. It, uh, it felt pretty confident that, you know, it was in good hands saw that you didn't charge it into the battle like that other poor horse that had to run around and almost got attacked by a shade. <laughs> He's fine. He likes the adrenaline. I forget, did we did we name your horse, Jules? I, I know that the other two have names. 
my Which horse is just rental for now. Yeah, rental. I don't remember my horse's name. Yes, it's my, rental. Yeah, my it's uh, rental. Brutus and Farrier. Oh, and Cass's yes, horse you. is the ugly horse. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now I remember my horse's yes. name. <laughs> HJ just kind of assumes that he is not going to be keeping this horse after he gives it back. You got to go all the way back to daybreak for that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sounds good. And you are able to make your way out of the valley that is Griffin's Roost. And as you kind of hit that barrier of those tall, jagged stones that kind of marks the opening to it and the semblance of this edge of a dirt path of a road, the fog doesn't follow you out. It is cloudy overhead, but it is bright. You spent maybe an hour getting in and getting out. You only had to go 100, 200 yards, but between the combat and your experience with another fate, the heartbeat's starting to come down a little bit, both from the combat, seeing your uh, ward get the cure that he needed. He just lets out a big yawn. So what now? I think we need to get sleep. Cass probably stops Brutus, the horse, and looks at the other two and, and very, very calmly. This town will expect justice of this boy. And he'll look at the kid and then look back and say, but I don't think they would expect that justice against the word of a god. We just tell them that the god of the grave and the voice of a fate told us that this boy, that no harm is supposed to come to this boy and we can be free of this. That's really true, though. I don't... I hear what you're saying, and I want to agree, but I don't want to misrepresent what's happened and risk. The fate showed us the way to the cure. You could just say that, which was his way of telling us that no harm should come to the boy. And he, like, says that with a very, like, a white lie is not going to never hurt anybody kind of tone, you know, and, and he kind of, like, is nodding while saying it, doing the, the nod and the yeah. head tilt, like, you hear what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Rowena looks at HJ, looks at Cass. You guys can now see now that she is like fully crying, but is crying really hard to stop. She looks at you, Cass, kind of looks at Dusty again, and then just sort of goes, Right, but first, maybe let's make them sweat it a little bit and let's go get ourselves a night of sleep before we go back. He's out of danger. They don't have to know that yet. I can certainly. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a place we can go. It's only maybe about of hours from here, down on the southern side of things. Cass makes a point of like looking at Dusty as he's yawning and kind of grabbing his cheeks, you know, and saying, "This means that you can never do anything like this again." Uh huh. Make sure that importance sticks with you. Uh huh. And then he like, let's go. And then he turns to Rowan and he says, lead the way. She'll just kind of swipe at the tears and kick up and start heading down the road. And I am heading to the southeastern fields below Bastellan. Sounds good. Yeah, that's going to be about these roads don't travel quite as quickly. I'm sure it's going to be another six hours seven probably even your horses are definitely starting to slow down a bit as you kind of get to that crossroad point again where it meets back up with the main road that you'll need to follow just a little bit to get where you're, I think you're headed uh, can I get another constitution roll from all of you it's uh you know fuck me God, man probably about 
Jesus. Two o'clock in the afternoon again. You've all been up for 36 hours. Does my exhaustion give me a uh, disadvantage on, on skill not rolls? Not yet. Throws yet. Not saving throws. Okay, skill rolls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ability checks. Ability so. checks. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Saving throw disadvantage comes at level three exhaustion. <laughs> you are only at level uh, yes. one. Quite good. Or you well, might be a two now. Level two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, Son, I, a, I am uh, now at level uh, one. Uh, I got a six. I had a five. I got a nine. You said a five? Yeah. Great. That is one everyone. level of exhaustion more for everyone all around. Except Dusty. He's a he's he's got a bit of a second wind. I, I think he's also like gotten a little bit better at writing kind of on his way. It it it's it's that interesting thing of in this next leg, I think maybe the fate did actually tell you. He didn't hear it, that he, he does need to be forgiven and he does need to protect it. And maybe there is some sort of air purpose that he has. Like you were all chosen by the gods and you came in and saved him and fixed all of this. And now he's been kind of selected by the guy and his mind's just been racing and he is too busy and preoccupied to get tired at this point. I mean, he also just popped a bloodberry. Like, yeah, as far as HJ knows, the high you get on those things is I'm so excited to eventually explain the difference between drugs and medicine to HJ. <laughs> what? No, no, they're the same thing. He knows what medicine is, but he also knows that Bloodberry is a great drug. Uh, that was established last week. You no, 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 no. It was a soul snake that you know mm. is a really great hallucinogenic oh, drug. Oh, shit, you're right. Okay. But Bloodberries are related to soul snakes. Yeah, so, like, exactly. It's got to be like the chaser. Whatever. I'm going to ride them to the fields. And as we start to approach, it's going to seem weird to them where I'm going to take a slightly like circuitous route at one point, kind of cut through some fields. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what I'm doing is I'm basically trying to circle the location that I'm going to before I get there, because I'm doing a scan to see if it looks like anybody is watching this place. Sure thing. Go ahead and give me a perception check. That is a 12. A 12? Yeah, you, you see a lot of the regular sites. You definitely see your neighbors. You, you're able to see, you know, various people working in the fields. The, for the other people that are not from around here, what, what you're kind of being led through and in between are these more of a homestead type parcels of land. They've got various degrees of fences. They've got various cut throughs and things like that. Um, but it's kind of like a cul-de-sac just blown up and neighbors aren't too close to each other. And as you go past, you can definitely see, you know, someone's tending to lots of fields. The next parcel you get to, there are some horses being raised on a bit smaller of a parcel. And then the next one, a bit bigger, you've got cows being herded. Next one over, you've got some artisans, a field of kind of statues midway progress. Seems to be a, a couple arguing and then starting one project and then going back to another one. Yeah, these these crafts that require a bit more space, be it for the continuation of this nearby city or be it for the renowned artisan guilds that this city does have. It starts, you know, checking off some markers. There's a, a model bridge being built on one property at like half scale to what it might be one day. And make your way around and yeah your normal neighbors are out and about there doesn't seem to be any postings there is a new fence but it's not near your property um and kind of when you 
do the first pass of your house and get the full 360. It looks pretty undisturbed. It looks like there's a hole in your barn area and it seems like there's, you know, a couple of birds that have nested there, like in the hole with the hay from inside. A couple of weeds have popped up in the uh, garden that you left behind. But other than that, it seems just like you left it. I will just ride up. Essentially, what you guys would see is there's like a house and then there is a barn that definitely is not just used as a barn because you can see like a massive chimney coming out of the back of it. And as I ride up about halfway up sort of like the drive, you can also see that the entire area around it is fully cleared. Like there's no trees, there's nothing tall. Like there is full 360 visibility from the house. It's just kind of dead center in the middle of this wide open area. Halfway up the, the walk, Rona will just swing down off of her horse and kind of smack him on the rump. And he just instinctively trots off toward the barn and like starts grazing on some of the grass over there. And she will go up to the door, fish around in her like pockets, pull out a set of keys and unlock the door, pop it open, just kind of wave everybody. Yeah, you're able to get off your horses and they kind of do the double take and, and follow along with the horse that feels like it knows where it's going. You know, the, the one that rode into combat magnificently. They're very <laughs> impressed by this other horse now. The horses also have their own story now. <laughs> My super impressive, it's, like, it's, 10 year old grumpy be, horse. Uh, Patreon yeah. content is uh, the, the horse side mission. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I'll just wave everybody inside and sort of start pointing out Table and chairs, if you want anything to eat, you can check the cupboards. Um, bed in the back room. Another smaller one up in the loft. We can get a good rest here before we set off again. Oh yeah, I'm beat. I'll just I'll I'll take the loft. I don't I don't mind climbing and like find bounce his way up there. And then just as soon as he lays down, you can hear just light snoring and he's out. Anybody need anything? I'm good. Cass is still looking outside for a tree. Is he's like just looking outside the doors for a tree, kind of just surveying the area, deciding where he's going to sleep. Rowena will stick her head out and just be like, "We we cleared them all years ago to make sure there wasn't a fire risk, but you can sleep on the roof, or I can open up the forge and you can sleep in the loft there, a loft. I know it's not quite the same." At this point, Cass walks in and says, "It's." Not about being outside. Understood. And takes off his bag and puts it to just somewhere like in a corner of the room and lays his head down as though, you know, there's probably a god or goddess somewhere out there. You pissed off by cutting down all the trees. And then he rolls over and just does the whole single arm under the side of the head under the on the bag thing. She just sort of nods and looks at Jules, kind of points to another or separated area. It's probably like half wall where it's sectioned off, but it's not fully a separate room. There's a big comfy mattress in there. If you want to curl up, I'm going to go um, check on Arthur. I'll be back in. Check on who? And it's at that moment. There's just a big clank, clank, clank on the door. Rona fully freezes. All of the color drains out of her face and she will turn around, hand on her hammer in her belt and go over to like the window next to the door and do kind of like the peak lean through the curtains. 
The Peakling, you can see a very happy Brutus with both of his shields over his wrists, just looming outside of the door. And he gives one more tap on the door and he calls out, Duel begins in 10. You have right to first strike or I'm coming in. I'll be out here. Eleven Fates is an original D&D 5e campaign brought to you by the Torpid Gaming Network, a variety streaming channel and community for gamers of all kinds. Your cast includes Lady Bedivere, a.k.a. Alondra, Pylos, a.k.a. King of Pylos, a.k.a. Nestor, Sunset's Brew, a.k.a. Brew, a.k.a. Zep, and the Lord Bonk, a.k.a. Bonk, a.k.a. Mark, as the DM. You can catch new episodes of Eleven Fates streaming live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash torpidnetwork. Those episodes are made available as a podcast and on YouTube every following Saturday. Mostly. Make sure to follow us on all our social media at Torpid Network or hop directly into our Discord server so you get updates on upcoming live streams, podcasts, collaborations, and other projects. And remember, here at the Torpid Gaming Network, we do three things. We have fun, we get immersed, and we do do epic epic shit. shit. Thanks for listening. Let me update some timers real quick. (laughs) Hate hate that? (laughs) We knew we were on a countdown. (laughs) What's the worst that can happen? Two dead teenagers is the worst oh, that yeah, could happen. Yeah, yeah. Forgot about that part. <laughs> no, no, no. There's an actual answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>